Hello and welcome to the Deep Bible Studies podcast. Today is going to be a little different because I'm going to be reading a devotional written by one of our teammates, Sandra Barrera. It is a beautiful devotional, great description of the crucifixion of Jesus and what it means for us. And so this week and the next, we will be talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus since we are remembering this historical fact with such a tremendous, important meaning for Christians. Then we will resume our study of the gospel according to John, but for now we want to focus exclusively on the saving work of Jesus, moved by his immense and inexhaustible love for humanity. So get ready, because we're about to study together a couple of chapters of the gospel according to Luke that tell us about Jesus' crucifixion. So actually, before starting the study itself, I want to give you a little bit of context. So the capture of Jesus began with the betrayal of Judas, which occurred at night and is narrated in the 22nd chapter of Luke. So once Jesus was captured, the council quickly convened to judge him. The fact that Passover would soon begin increased the urgency to crucify Jesus. And the council quickly accused Jesus of blasphemy for calling himself like the son of God. And they brought him before Pilate the very next day, early in the morning although the actual reasons for them to hate Jesus were found in John 11, 45 through 53, which basically are that if the people believed in him, the Jewish leaders feared that the Roman army would destroy their temples and their nations. And they considered that it was better to sacrifice Jesus rather than risk the entire nation. So I encourage you to read these chapters on your own, chapter 22 and 23 of of the Gospel of Luke, but I'm going to tell you a summary of what happened before the crucifixion of Jesus. So the first thing we read in chapter 23 of Luke is the first trial that Jesus was subjected to before Pontius Pilate. The crucifixion of Jesus was an assassination plot originating within the, the Sanhedrin, also known as the Council. So the Sanhedrin was the highest governing body among the Jews and the court of justice, consisting of 71 members made up of the Sadducees, also known as the high priests and elders, and the Pharisees and scribes, which we have all talked about before. But it was headed by the high priests of Israel. The Roman emperors granted the Sanhedrin limited authority over certain religious, civil, and criminal matters, and they denied the power of capital punishment. So for this reason, Jesus was presented to the Roman government of the Judean nation at the time, who was Pontius Pilate. He was the one who had the authority to issue the death sentence. In addition, these Jewish leaders anticipated that Pilate would rule against Jesus, since the history of his actions actually showed him as a cruel, ruthless, and insensitive man. Therefore, the Jewish leaders wickedly knew that by presenting Jesus to him, it was very likely that Pilate would sentence him to death. But the wickedness of the Jewish leaders didn't stop there. Knowing that Pilate would not pay attention to the accusations of blasphemy against Jesus, they planned to present false accusations against him, which we find in verse 2 of chapter 23. Where it says, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. So the first false accusation against Jesus was that he perverted the people with his revolution. The second one is that he incited the people not to pay taxes. And the third one was that he proclaimed himself 
as king opposing Caesar. So in this, we see clearly the tremendous injustice to which our Lord Jesus was subjected. He never sinned. He never incited rebellion against the authorities or opposed paying taxes. But the Jewish leaders showing how far they were from honoring God or even doing his will planned this plot against him. So as for Jesus, he actually didn't defend himself, neither before Pilate nor before Herod, the king of Galilee, to whom he was later taken. So can you see the humility and meekness of our Lord in this? He also did not perform any miracles to save his own life. Instead, Jesus gave Pilate the simple answer that he had given the high priest when he asked him if he was the king of the Jews, which we see in Matthew 26, 64, you said so. So, and he also actually remained silent before Herod. So Jesus was declared innocent by Pontius Pilate. In fact, Jesus was innocent of what he was accused of and of just in general sinful behavior. Yet the enraged crowd wanted to have him killed, even more crucified. Pilate knew that he was facing something much greater than he had previously thought. And his wife warned him about the atrocity of condemning this particular righteous man. Herod found nothing wrong with him and Jesus was innocent, but still the council won and the crucifixion of Jesus would soon be a part of human history. Luke 23, 25 says, He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. Jesus, the Lamb of God, was led to the slaughter. And all of this was a fulfillment of what the prophet Isaiah had said in Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. So the crucifixion itself, verse 26 says, And as they led him away, they seized one, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it's dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they not know what they do. And they cast lot to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself 
and us. But the other rebuked him by saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So think of all that Jesus had to go through for a moment. First, he suffered the emotional stress of being abandoned by his disciples. Jesus spent a night without sleeping and probably without eating. And later, when he was handed over to the people to be crucified, Jesus was scourged and flogged. Roman soldiers repeatedly struck his back with all their might. The steel balls and the whips caused him deep bruises, and the leather points and sharp bones cut into his skin and subcutaneous tissues. His muscles were ripped, the pain and blood loss he suffered were immense. Also the lack of food, water, and sleep. They took off his clothes and he was forced to carry the wood in which he would be crucified naked with his hands tied to it. The total body weight of the cross itself was actually and typically 300 pounds or 136 kilograms. So the combination of the flagellation and crucifixion made death on the cross especially brutal. Jesus was thrown to the ground to hold the cross with his hands, surely causing the wounds on his back to open wider and become contaminated with dirt. Then he was nailed to the cross. The nails penetrated his wrist, cutting a nerve that passes through this part of the body, causing severe pain in his arms. The most significant thing about Jesus' suffering was that he was not in any sense a victim of his circumstances. He was in control. God the Father and his son Jesus Christ were performing the divine plan of salvation. Jesus talked about his life in John 10 18 where he said, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it back up. This is the charge I have received from my Father. It is a terrible thing to be forced to endure such torture, but to choose it freely for love is extraordinary. It is unique. Only our infinitely loving and merciful God could do such a thing. Verse 34 says, And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they not know what they do. Jesus' love never fails. On the cross, he prayed even for his murderers, asking God the Father to forgive them. In this, we see that Jesus fulfilled his own commandment too in Matthew 5:44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. With this prayer, Jesus recognized the blindness of his enemies. This did not excuse the guilt of those who put Jesus on the cross, but Jesus put his enemies in the best possible position before God the Father. We must pray with the same heart, following the same pattern. These people knew that they were crucifying an innocent man, but they did not know that with this act of theirs, they were bringing the strongest judgments of God on themselves and on the country. In the prayer, Father, forgive them. The prophecy of Isaiah 53:12 was fulfilled, which says, 
Therefore I will divide him a portion with many, and he shall divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sins of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. And they cast lot to divide his garments. That's part of the chapter that we're originally reading. So Jesus stripped himself of absolutely everything, including his clothes, making himself completely poor for us so that we could be completely rich in him. We see this in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, where it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. This isn't talking about merely physical, material prosperity whatsoever. It's talking about reconciliation, salvation. Jesus was not honored or encouraged while he hung on the cross. He was mocked and humiliated. His religious enemy said, if you're king of the Jews, save yourself. However, it was precisely because he did not save himself that he was able to offer salvation to us. Love was what kept Jesus on the cross, not the nails. Verse 44 through 45 says, It was now about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn into two. The darkness over the whole earth showed the agony of creation itself in the face of the Creator's suffering. The crucifixion occurred during the Easter season, and Easter is always celebrated on a full moon. A natural solar eclipse is impossible during the full moon, but it happened because God is sovereign and has absolute power over all of his creation. That the veil of the temple was torn meant that man now has free access to the throne of grace through the cross, and no one should ever think again that God dwells in man-made temples. John 19.30 tells us that prior to his death, Jesus said, it is finished, which is a Greek word, tetelestai, which means paid in full. This was a cry of an overcomer, of a victorious savior, because Jesus paid in full the debt of sin that we owed and fulfilled the eternal purpose on the cross. Before he died, before the veil was torn in two, before he said it is finished, an incredible spiritual transaction occurred. Jesus took all the guilt and wrath that we deserved for our sins and he took it on himself perfectly, fully satisfying God's wrath for us. Jesus not only experienced terrible and unimaginable physical suffering, but tremendous spiritual suffering. The act of being judged for our sins was what Jesus was really afraid of about the cross. This was the cup the cup of God's righteous wrath that he was so afraid to drink, as Luke 22, 42-44 tells us by saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. On the cross, Jesus became, as it were, an enemy of God who was judged and forced to drink the cup of the Father's wrath. And he did so, so that we would not have to drink that cup. Isaiah 53, 
three through five presents him in a powerful way. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was cursed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. A single drop of this blood would inevitably lead your soul to infinite ruin, but Jesus suffered it alone. There was no one to help him bear such immense suffering, because his sufferings were to make atonement for the sins of the world, and in the work of redemption had no help. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man is innocent. And all the crowd that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, they returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the woman who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. His work on the cross was completed. With his prayer, Jesus gave his living spirit to God the Father while giving his body to death on the cross. This shows that Jesus gave his life when he wanted and in the way that he wanted. Nobody took his life from him. He handed it over himself when his work was done. Jesus was not a victim that we should be sorry for, but the victorious savior we should surrender to and believe in. When we see all that Jesus suffered, we should not feel sorry for him, but rather an immense gratitude and surrender to him must arise because he freed us from suffering all that, because the sacrifice he made could only be borne by him and because that sacrifice he gave free access to the Father, justifying us before him. And the wonderful thing behind it all is that the Sanhedrin, King Herod, and Pontius Pilate had no power over Jesus. The crucifixion of Jesus was a prearranged mission planned by God the Father. The innocent and sinless Jesus, he was mocked, he was beaten, tortured, and ultimately crucified like no other person in the history by the holy will of God. Jesus Christ was born to be able to die for you and for me. And Jesus was a sacrificial lamb sent to atone for our sins. The lamb of God accomplished the work of redemption for mankind. What's beautiful about this is that he not only died, but he resurrected meaning that he is God and he beat death and the debt is paid in full and now we are made alive through him. So Jesus wants to save you, but like the centurion mentioned in this passage in the thief, you have to humble yourself and express your faith in Christ. We're all guilty. We are all in condemnation for sin, as, as Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all deserve our own cross. So what will you do about it? Do you want to be the convicted thief or the chosen thief? In which eternal home would you like to live? In the presence of God or in his wrath? In the lake of fire with Satan or in the paradise with the king of kings? 
Jesus's life was given for you so that you would be reconciled to God. And now you have to give your life to Jesus, repenting and trusting him. Galatians 2, 20 through 21 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. In Romans 5, 6-11 says, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we are also rejoicing in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You can find more information on our website, www.deepbiblestudies.com, where you will also find the calendar to go along with the book that we will be studying. You can also find us on Instagram, at Deep Bible Studies, and Facebook, where you can know every single time we post a new podcast. Also, we have an email, contact at deepbiblestudies.com, where you can ask us any questions and we will be sure to get back to you. I hope you have a wonderful day and see you next time.